Okay, hello, welcome uh, to another pharmacy practice webcast uh, podcast thing. Still haven't worked out what I'm going to call these things, but um, maybe someone could come up with that. Really uh, interested and excited actually to have um, Dr. Andrew Radley on this morning. Um, so this 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 sort of uh, conversation comes off the back of uh, some fairly revolutionary news um, that's been I, I would say it's been building over the last few years but but there was a statement in the press last week that um, NHS Tayside had eradicated hepatitis C so when I saw that I thought that's too good to be true uh, far too good to be true so therefore I thought let's have a chat with uh, with one of the key uh, protagonists behind that piece of work and find out a bit more so Andrew, I'll I'll let you introduce yourself, but you, it's uh, your your official title is Dr. Andrew Radley, consultant in public health pharmacy in NHS Tayside. Would you like to say a wee bit more about yourself and uh, where you come from and so on and so forth? Hi, hi, Jonathan. I, I'm also excited to be able to talk to you and and to be able to um, describe some of what we've done to you, to your to your listeners and, and your viewers, um, because I think just as you say, it's a, it's a fantastic piece of work and what's more community pharmacy have played a critical part in it um, we would have struggled to to do as well as we have done without um, the committed and fantastic contribution that community pharmacy have made so um, as you say I'm a consultant in public health and my job is to um, make the best of the medicines and pharmacy resource I need the best health gain possible for the, the people of, of Tayside and so I work closely with my colleagues in NHS Tayside and Community Pharmacy Tayside to try and figure out how we can um, maximise the, the potential, maximise the contribution that pharmacists make. And we've done really well. You have, to be honest with you. I mean, the, the, that was a that was a I mean, I've put out a few a few a few. Uh, well, I try to keep my headlines quite not not too extreme, but I mean, eradication of hepatitis C is. That's up there with with a, with all the grand statements I've seen in medicine for a while, actually. So, does that statement live up to the hype? Well, the WHO have set these things called the Sustainable Development Goals, which are, are global targets for improving the health of our populations. Um, if if you like the, the nitty gritty detail, it's Sustainable Development Goal three point three to eradicate hepatitis as a public health threat. Okay, and their definition of eradicating. Um, hepatitis is to get rid of over 90% of the infections in the population and that's what we've done and so um, we've been working at it for a few years I've been on this trail since about 2013 um, mm -hmm. gradually developing the, the intervention in the pharmacy um, we've treated uh, well over 2,000 people for infections um, and, and so that's the basis of our claim that we've eliminated hepatitis C and we're the first person in the UK the, the first the first people in Europe to do that well done excellent I mean it, for those for the patients involved it's obviously life-changing what tell me what 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 did the pharmacists actually do or what did the pharmacy teams actually do how were they involved what was the for the uninitiated as it were how uh, what was the process um but it's, it's, it's a really it's a really straightforward thing really so um you have one of your pharmacy assistants take a, a capillary sample, a, a finger stick test, and you, you dab it onto a piece of filter paper, 
then you post the filter paper off to the labs. The labs, um, they literally cut out the square from the filter paper and they wash the blood out of it and they test it for antibodies. That's it. And then they post the, the result to say whether there's um, antibodies to hepatitis C present or not. So either you, you've been exposed to the virus or you haven't. And they, they post that back to the pharmacist by Royal Mail. And the pharmacist, next time the, the methadone patient comes in, they say, can I, can I speak to you for a moment? Your test has come back negative or your test has come back positive. And um, we, we, we trained the guys to, to, to do that and they did it really well. And then, so if, if you've got a positive test, um, you, you phone up, and this is a key bit, you phone up um, the, the nurse that, 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 that works with the multidisciplinary team and you organize a, a time for the patient to come into your pharmacy and the nurse comes in at the same time and, and takes a, bladder, a battery of safety bloods off the patient, including a, a test to confirm that there's still active virus. And then those results get posted to the pharmacist. Um, that probably takes a couple of weeks. So by about three weeks after this initial blood test, the pharmacist got a full diagnosis. And if, the, um, if all of the, the tests are within normal range, they go ahead and they start treating with one of these new antiviral drugs. So, um, the, the patient comes in every day and swallows the, um, the antivirals with the methadone. And then um, eight weeks later, you've got a cure. Almost everyone gets cured if they take the medicine. Very good. So, it's going to say what I've just told you is that um, the pharmacy team they've they've tested, um, they've diagnosed, they've assessed for treatment, and they've cured a patient with a, a life limiting illness that ten years ago could only be treated by a, a consultant team in a hospital, and the patient would have to come to a hospital to get that cure. And now that's within each of our communities in Tayside. Um, it's something that's done in a community pharmacy. Okay. And apologies if I'm asking a very simple question here, but the prevalence, you know, that eradication um, statement. So is that is that eradication of hepatitis C from the known population of hepatitis C sufferers? Or are you confident that you know the prevalence of hepatitis C well enough that you can make that statement? Well, you, you use different words. So these are technical statements so i said elimination and you said eradication and they're different things okay so okay, elimination yeah. is removal of 90 percent. And, and just as i explained just then we've tested everyone we can think of so um working with with one of my um colleagues sarah donaldson we worked our way around all the recovery um cafes in in dundee last year testing everyone that would agree and we, we, you know, everyone that we thought that was at risk, even those that weren't in contact with services, and we found very little Hep C. Um, and I think out of a of 112 high risk people that we tested, we found eight cases of, of Hepatitis C, and some of those were already known. So that's very, that's a very small amount. And for for methadone users, perhaps four in ten would expect it to to have the virus in the general population, and so. The fact that we only found eight and some of those were known out of 112 so it shows you how much we'd progressed by then to eliminating hepatitis C. Very good. And I've I've learned something this morning. So there you go. <laughs> I didn't yeah. I didn't understand uh, fully the the difference between those two words from an epidemiological perspective. So that's very interesting. Um, another sort of topical question at the moment is around sensitivity and specificity of 
tests, in particular antibody tests. I'm putting you on the spot here, but do you know um, what the sensitivity and specificity of the antibody test that you guys were using was? Oh, the, the PCR test um, mm -hmm. is pretty good. It's well over 99% as far as I'm aware. Okay, super. So you're, you're... That's a really key point. So when pharmacists um, offer tests um, to the patients in the pharmacy, they've got to be sure that of, of the quality of what they're doing. And that's not usually um, working in isolation. That's usually working um, as part of a quality assurance system. And for hepatitis C, we worked very closely with the laboratories. We're just about to start um, a diabetes project. And that will be done in partnership with the laboratories because that's what they do. And, and we, we can be sure that the tests that we offer uh, um, perform as they should do and that the patients that we test can, can be certain that we're, we're giving them good value. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, the reason, yeah, the reason I asked that question is because it, it, it's absolutely critical. I mean, one, one question I want to ask, and it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek one, but what frustrates you about community pharmacy and having worked with them quite closely on this project, if anything? Um, I, well, the first thing to say is I love working with community pharmacy. Um, we, we, we've got some fantastic relationships with, with our, our contractors. And, and generally, um, if I explain clearly what I want and, um, and I provide the proper support for them to deliver it, they do. Um, but the bit that they've got to really get sorted is, is the variants, okay? Um, all in, in, in my world, all variants um, in, in, the, in the amount of service that's delivered, in the quality of the service, in the outcome that's achieved, um, constitutes risk. And I need to be sure that if a pharmacy does something, then they'll do it to the same quality. Um, lots of people know that I, I do smoking cessation, um, and we, we know that you know smoking cessation is a well-established service in community pharmacy. But there's a 16-fold variation between the best and, and, and the poorest performers in community pharmacy in Tayside, and you know that really isn't acceptable. It's very interesting, um, and that's I, I think that's a very positive challenge actually. You know, it's a it's a it's a very positive criticism of them, um, and I've heard that before. And you know, anybody that's worked in community pharmacy will agree. Um, in terms of, I'm taking you off on a wee bit of a tangent now, and I'll come back to um, to to the Hep C stuff. Um, in terms of testing in pharmacy, how do you feel about that? Because I mean, I suppose the context of this question is where we can't avoid COVID. In, in any conversation, sorry about that, Andrew. Um, and there, there, I, I don't know if there's a there's a tenuous link, but I'm going to try and make it because <laughs> your work your work sort of focused around you know the hepatitis C stuff. It focused around a, a disease. You you've got a fair idea of what the prevalence is. You had a testing strategy. You you looked very carefully at the epidemiology and how that reflected on the ground. I mean, sound for, it, it kind of sounds a bit familiar, really. Um, so what, what, what did you learn in the hepatitis C program in Tayside, um, all that successful work that you did, what did you learn there that could be applied to the COVID crisis? Okay. Um, lots surprisingly, um, or unsurprisingly, um, the, the first thing to say is that, um, community pharmacy doesn't need to be an isolated practitioner. Okay. 
Um, it's quite clear from the work we've done with diabetes, with hep C, um, with cancer, that multidisciplinary teams, medical and nursing teams, love to work with community pharmacy. And what's more, the quality of care that's, that's produced when we collaborate and we work as part of a team is far better, okay? Um, getting on to the, the testing bit, just as I said in my little diatribe a minute ago, um, you cannot do it in isolation. Um, the testing bit, the taking of the test, is only 10% of the job. And so if you're just testing and handing patient a test result, you've failed them. Um, what you've got to do is to provide them with um, information and the context and a route to help them with their problem. And that involves perhaps referral. It, it involves the opportunity to undertake treatment if that's available. And so um, isolated testing really doesn't do it. Um, it's got to be part of a, an integrated system where community pharmacy work as part of the whole team. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, as, as part of my um, experience as a, an independent prescriber, you know, you, you, you don't lead with, generally, you don't lead with a test. You know, the test is, um, is just to sort of confirm the history, you know, eyeballing people and, and, um, and so on and so forth and taking a really good verbal history is, is much more important. So I just, I, th I think we agree on that actually. Uh, so it's a really interesting insight into the hepatitis C um, scheme that you did and tremendous results, phenomenal in fact. Um, what other uses for the community pharmacy platform could you see uh, moving into the future? Um, community pharmacies have a fantastic place um, in, within healthcare. So they're part of communities, they're situated um, right in the middle of, of where people live. People are, are really comfortable coming into pharmacies. Um, you don't have to have an appointment. Nobody knows why you're going there. You're going to buy shampoo or you're going to get emergency contraception. Who knows? Um, and that's fantastic. Um, patients can have a longitudinal relationship with the pharmacist. They can see them over years and, and they grow to trust them. I mean, with, with the hep C patients, they saw them every day for years and years, maybe decades. And, and just taking an interest in people and asking how they are and, and building a part in, in the conversation about their lives has huge health benefits. And so exploiting that and, and utilizing that to get health gain is, is a lot of what my job's about. So there's a, f a few things that I'm really interested in doing. So for a while now, I've been trying to get all the permissions in place to do um, administration of monoclonal antibodies in, um, in community pharmacy. We want to, to test that with, with the Herceptin um, drug for, for breast cancer patients. So just now um, in, in Nine Worlds, around 20,000 appointments per year are, are spent by people coming into Nine Worlds to have a five-minute injection of a subcutaneous drug. Um, and I don't really understand why, when they could do that in a community pharmacy. And, and Herceptin's the, the Goldilocks medicine, as in it's a bit complicated, but not too complicated. And we think that we could demonstrate um, the role with that. And so hopefully this summer will, by the end of this summer, we'll have started that. There's that, that's, that's pharmacists providing care again as part of an integrated team. And, and the, big, um, the big push is to try and make, well, everyone knows that cancer's become a, a, a long-term condition. And so the, the challenge is to start to provide that care within communities so it's not um, disrupting your life to come into a big country care centre and losing a day of work. It's about living with it. So there's that. Um, hopefully very soon, um, um, we'll be talking about diagnosing diabetes in a, 
in a community pharmacy. And so we've um, been working with the Scottish Government and with Community Pharmacy Scotland, and we've been discussing how um, we could provide glycosylated haemoglobin, HbA1c tests in the pharmacy, and how we could link that into some of the either pre-diabetes, where we get type 2 patients to lose 15 kilos and, and get remission from diabetes, or we could link to the, the diabetes teams and GPs to get the people um, treated and onto, onto proper care. And we think that pharmacies could be excellent at that. So there's that. And that's a test in, um, in close partnership with the laboratories. And I suppose um, there's all the contraception issues that I'm interested in. So um, we know that pharmacies have offered emergency contraception for ages, but some pharmacies in, in Brampton, in Ayrshire, in, in Glasgow are offering a much wider contraception service where um, patients can get oral contraception from their pharmacy, not just emergency contraception. And we'd like to see that spread spread further apart. So mm. there, there's huge, huge amounts of things that we can do and we could develop. But the, the key thing is about well, making sure there isn't the variance, but working in, in cooperation with a team and as part of the team effort and, and delivering care directly from the patient within that community. That's, that's what I think the future is. Mm -hmm. I mean, all, all of those suggestions are very interesting, but particularly um, the diabetes one. I've thought I've thought for a while that some management of some conditions lends itself quite well to community pharmacy, but but obviously not all, you know. Um, but that I could see from a clinical perspective how um, that diabetes patient could, as you to use your term, have that longitudinal relationship with the pharmacist over time and you know, a series of brief interventions, formal or informal, critically, they must be recorded. And as you say, what I'm hearing from you is is something I completely agree with, is that the, the key to this is allowing pharmacists in community to be part of the team and start to write in the record or however that works, maybe not the record, but however it works, um, they need to be brought in from the cold, and I th I think that the the talent is there then, and and the structures will follow to, to to deliver on that. I did a like I I don't know if I'm I'm being a bit presumptuous here, Andrew, maybe, but I see you as like I've watched your work over the last few years. I see you as one of these people that's you strike me as a bit of an entrepreneur with it within the system, and that's that's politically that must. Be quite, I'm not going to delve into the politics or anything like that, but I I I could imagine that's quite a delicate line to walk because if you're implementing change and so on and so forth, it, it you know you you you're going to get folk that don't want change, I suppose. But more broadly, well, am I first? Am I right on that analysis? But also um, more broadly, do you think pharmacists are too cautious? Um. I, I think I recognise the picture that you paint, and, uh, and I'd confirm that I've always not, I've not always trod that line very well. Um, but hey, I've got a passion for pharmacy, and I think pharmacists, pharmacy is a well-beating profession, and I'm really proud to be a pharmacist. Um, and I think that we could do a lot more. Um, what pharmacists really need to do is is to take responsibility and be assertive, because they have a patient in front of them, and and you know they're science-based, they've got a degree. Um, they can. There's huge opportunities to extend their education if they choose to, and they need to start to take responsibility for the care of the patient in front of them.
because you know it, 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 it's not rocket science to figure out what to do with the patients most of the time and, and the, the pharmacists are in a much better position than the patient in front of them to figure out how to get care if the, if the pharmacists can't provide it themselves where they can get it from and to do that on behalf of the patient is, is where we need to get to um, and so um, not just um, to, to write in a care record but to be part of the care process is what I want to be like pharmacy first is now you know pharmacy first is a fantastic thing where the pharmacist um, assess a patient just as we've discussed provide treatment and communicate to the rest of the team what they've done it's exactly the model that we should have it's it's, it's a great thing absolutely i was gonna i was gonna finish the chat by coming on to pharmacy first and and how you see your involvement in that but i think the term is um uh, coined by zubin austin is procrastinating perfectionism isn't it uh, and I think I think I find I find speaking to you very uplifting and um, inspirational actually because I think you've clearly taken risks within that system, but look at what you've delivered. I mean, you know, you've been part of the team that is is um, I don't want to use the wrong word tackled the hepatitis B or C um, problem in your area. You know, so you've eliminated it. Um, and that's remarkable. And I and I guess there must have been times when you had to sort of push up against the system to do that. And I think I just think you're a great example for for younger pharmacists coming through that 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 are maybe a bit nervous about rocking the boat. I mean, there there is there is a certain amount of your career where you have to just dig in and do the hard yards. But sometimes you just we are a profession, and I just wonder sometimes do we slip back into forgetting that at times um don't know if you agree with that um it's very easy to just do what you're used to within your comfort zone and it's not something i've ever done for very long <laughs> um, i suppose to say you know we've, we've talked about hepatitis c but um i think that the things i've done have only been facilitated by being part of a team and by having yeah. people yeah. that want to work with me and um, i talked about smoking cessation when i first started my role um, there was 104,000 smokers in Tayside, and now we're down below nearly at 70,000. So there's been, you know, ten, tens of thousands of people that have given up. And in Tayside, um, only pharmacy does smoking cessation. And so that, that's that stuff that we've done. Um, we, we've, we've got um, everyone's interested in immunization at the moment. And in Tayside, well, we, we started pharmacies immunized in 2006. And we've got 66 pharmacies out of our 92 that, that, that immunize for us. And so they'll take part in the, the flu campaigns this year, hopefully again. And, and hopefully they'll be part of the COVID immunization when they come as well. So um, pharmacies can be right at the cutting edge. They can be providing care that's um, very valuable to people. And you, you just to finish, you mentioned um, uh, Pharmacy First, which is really very exciting. So that like... The way, the way I see, I mean, it's much discussed, but the way I see Pharmacy First is, you know, worst case scenario, it's a rebrand of of the minor ailments. Now, I talked I talked to Harry McQuillan a few weeks ago, and of course, he's he wasn't having that. It is to, it is a different service. And the exciting bit for me is that it opens the door to deepen and extend our practice, um, particularly moving towards um working as prescribers and more autonomous practitioners. And I'm not saying prescribing is the panacea. I'm just saying it, it is exciting because, you know, 
hopefully investment will follow to develop pharmacists working in the community um, to be more autonomous and so on and so forth and, and look after their patients a wee bit better. But I suppose from your point of view, what, what would your interest in pharmacy first be from a, like a public health perspective? Um, public health perspective is always easy. We want to improve the health of the population. Um, I was lucky enough to take part in some of the, um, of the outpatients work that happened from the government um, last year. And so I sat in, in, in rooms of clinicians, consultant teams, and they say, um, our, our clinics are, are full of people um, who have really quite simple problems, but they've got referred to the GP, um, and the GPs referred us to, referred them to us because um, they haven't any choices. Okay, so um, so for instance, gastroenterology. Um, there, there's all these people in outpatient clinics are having you know gut pain and problems with their bowels, and actually what they need to do is lose weight, have a healthy diet, take some exercise, and the consultant said. If there was a service available where patients could get that advice and be followed up, um, then we'd be able to concentrate on on the bits that we're trained for, which is about diagnosing cancer and treating it. And we wouldn't have to, to wade through all of the patients that could be dealt with um, out in the community that, that we don't need to deal with. And, and actually, um, they named community pharmacy as a key point in that, in that chain. So if we could empower community pharmacy to provide the symptomatic care. So if you've got reflux, we know you can provide a, a proton pump inhibitor through um, through community pharmacy now. Pharmacists are really well able to, to help people lose weight. I mean, Tayside, we did a counterweight pilot a few years ago and the pharmacists outperformed the other clinics. Um, we know about pharmacists as a um, as um, referrers to social prescribing systems. So just as you said, you know, take a history from your patient, figure out what they need. They may need medicines, you know, for reflux, for, um, you know, um, hyacinth, for their gut cramps and stuff like that. They might need some, some advice about um, taking more fiber or even something to help propel their bowels. But a pharmacist can do all of that. And, um, and, and as part of a team, they, they can play a really crucial role in improving the health of the population. And that's what I want pharmacy first to do. Mm. And um, thank you very much, Andrew. It's been it's been great speaking to you. I know you're busy, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep you any longer. So yeah, thanks very much for for coming on, Andrew. It's been really really uh, uplifting, um, and and um, some of your work has been obviously groundbreaking. So lots of hopefully lots of um, newly qualified or um, or pharmacists that are coming onto the register um, will be watching this. So. What's your advice to um, to pharmacists coming onto the register? Well, firstly, welcome to a fantastic profession. You know, I, I'm getting towards the, the end, the last stage of my career now, you know, getting over 50, and as we've discussed this morning, and, um, and it's been a blast. Pharmacy's been really good to me. I've had a, a, a thrilling, um, exciting career, and I've had fantastic opportunities to work with patients, to work with colleagues, and it's been, you know, really good, all I've ever wanted. Um, going forward, I, I'd say to my new colleagues joining the register, um, just as Charles Dickens said, education is the key to future prosperity. So do your foundation training. Um, make sure that you, you train clinically. What they've taught you at an undergraduate um, is a good start, but it's only a start. You need to know more and, and become part of, become part of the, the movement in the profession to, 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 to be more than 
we currently are and to treat patients and to, to be prescribers and to, to take charge of the, of the medicines resource. And, and, and in, in that way, your careers will be as fulfilling and, and as, as rewarding as mine has been. And do you think one one final question that, that just that just came to me? Do you think um, do you think the concept of pharmaceutical care is still relevant? Um, I think it's the only relevant um, concept that we have. Um, the responsible use of medicines. It's not good enough to hand out a packet of medicines and, and, and think that's the the end of your responsibility. We need to know how the patient's going to use it, what outcomes they get from it, if, if, whether that's the best medicine for them, and, and that's our role in. In, in the healthcare service and in society and, and we need to grasp that more than ever now brilliant what a great way to finish um listen thank thank you again been uh, a real pleasure and um as i say very uplifting and look i hope when when covid um passes um we'll, we'll get to um catch up uh, in person and have a have a face-to-face blather these uh, these Skype calls or or uh, Microsoft Teams meetings are fine, but it's uh, nothing beats meeting in person. So, thanks again, Andrew, and um, we'll see you soon. Lovely to talk to you. Pleasure.